From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and joining me this week is the newest member of our budget and appropriations team here at CQ Roll Call, Aiden Quigley. Aiden, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, very excited to uh, get started. It's been a busy week up on the Hill and uh, happy to chat with you about it. Great. Well, you know, this was supposed to be the week that we had a big COVID-19 aid package. Started out the week with high hopes of that passing and it all fell apart. And so we wanted to look at what went wrong there. How did this thing just blow up in their faces? because now they're going to be entering a two-week recess period. It's going to be late April or May before they can come back to this. And there's a lot of work now to do to save this package, which the administration says is going to be desperately needed very quickly, particularly to guard against a new surge of COVID cases. And yet there's nothing now and they couldn't make it happen. So let's look at that Aiden, because it was sort of surprising, right? I mean, the week began with uh, this announcement in the Senate of a bipartisan compromise. They had $10 billion agreed to for therapeutics, for vaccines, for testing. Everybody seemed to be on board and they had a way to pay for it, which is what Republicans had been insisting on, that they wouldn't allow any new COVID spending unless it were paid for. They had found ways to tap unspent money from previous pandemic relief laws. Two parties agreed to it. They came up with a $10 billion package, and then it falls apart. So what happened? Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, on Monday, Senator Mitt Romney rolled out a $10 billion agreement. It really seemed like that was going to get done in the Senate this week. But then by the middle of the week, it had kind of completely fallen apart because of a dispute over Title 42, which is a immigration issue on the southern border. Basically, that was a regulation put in place to stop kind of the flow of immigrants coming from Mexico during COVID. It was seen as a COVID COVID step, but it also had the effect of definitely slowing border crossings. And the Republicans want – the Biden administration actually – in past weeks has been reported that they're considering rescinding that policy that caused an uproar among Republicans and a handful of moderate Democrats or politically vulnerable Democrats in the upcoming election who are not in favor of that being uh, repealed. Yeah, it was striking. I mean, this shows the power of immigration politics because, boy, was that bad timing for the Biden administration just as they're trying to get this bipartisan aid package together, uh, at the same time, before that was done, they announced the lifting of this Title 42 rule that had prevented migrants from from crossing in on the grounds that it's it's a pandemic risk. And that just incited Republicans. I mean, we immediately heard blowback from them, right? I mean, they immediately criticized it and saying, how can you, on because Republicans saw duplicity here. They were saying, how can you, on the one hand, say, we still have a COVID pandemic to fight and we need all this new aid to protect us. And on the other hand, say, when it comes to the southern border, the pandemic is essentially over. We don't have to worry so much about it so we can let migrants in again. 
They saw that as completely contradictory. The Biden administration, of course, would disagree. They said that there is no longer really a public health risk to letting migrants in. They can get vaccinated at the border. The nature of the pandemic has changed enough with vaccines that that we can resume some migration. But Republicans were just not buying that. And even some of the Democrats, as you pointed out, did not like the idea of suddenly lifting this regulation because they they feared this huge surge at the border for which the U.S., they fear, would be unprepared. And so it caused an immediate uproar. And I think fair to say, Aiden, it just sank the whole package. Yeah, that's definitely fair to say because, you know, Democratic leadership could not bring forward the agreement with an amendment on on Title 42 because so many Democrats would support it. It would definitely cause a headache for the administration, at least. You know, if the, it would kind of uh, undermine the administration's, you know, immigration policy. So that really kind of set us back to the drawing board, at least as it comes to this agreement and moving forward. You know, we have a two-week recess coming up, so... It's going to be a while, uh, at least a few weeks before we, we get kind of back on track and getting this aid passed. Uh, if there is a way past this dispute, which it, at this point, it's pretty unclear how they're going to resolve this issue. Yeah, Republicans did want, Republicans were going to insist on an amendment to keep Title 42 in place. And then Democratic leaders feared that could actually pass because some of their own members want that. And that would that would jeopardize the whole package. And so it was a huge conundrum. And so they just shelved the whole bill. And even, you know, even this $10 billion they had agreed to is less than half the size that the White House said was needed, we should point out. I mean, the White House was requesting $22.5 billion. So this this was less than half that. That's how much of a struggle it's been now to get this package in place. There's some skepticism here among Republicans, certainly, that a lot of this new money is needed. And it just shows after spending trillions of dollars, these unprecedented sums that we've had over the last two years, really, for COVID relief, where money was just flying out of the <laughs> flying out of everywhere. Uh, now, even a limited $10 billion package is, is a heavy lift. And it's going to take some doing now to get that back on track. And and unless they sort out this immigration problem, I'm not sure how they get there now. I mean, do you see any, is, is there any obvious solution here in sight? Because I'm not seeing one. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't really see how they're going to be able to move past this, at least at this point. You know, I'm sure there'll be discussions to try to find a, a workable solution from both sides, but it's a pretty big dispute and uh, it's hard to see either side budging much from their the position they've taken at this point. So we have to wait and see how they how they resolve this. And at the same time, the other development from this past week was still more pandemic aid, which is which is going along a separate track, because there's still a push to provide additional relief to a lot of industries that were battered by the pandemic with all the shutdowns that we had. And that's particularly true of the restaurant industry. They, in particular, have suffered huge losses with people unable to go out to eat for so long. And Congress last year did pass about $28 billion for restaurants and bars. And to show the need out there, I mean, that package was depleted in a heartbeat. I mean, as soon as that fund was created, this restaurant revitalization fund, the money was virtually gone 
only about a third of the applicants got any of the grant money and the rest of them were left were left with nothing and so there's been a push for months really since last summer to provide more aid for restaurants and there has been some bipartisan support for that it was not part of this of this basic covid aid package because there's a fear there was a fear of just broadening this thing too much and jeopardizing support for the whole thing so they've been moving the restaurant aid on a separate track and that's had its own can of worms aid and as you covered this week it's getting more and more complicated because it's not just restaurants but there's a push for other industries to get relief too and get their slice of the pie and Seems like there's not much agreement there between the House and the Senate as to who should get how much of it. Yeah, for sure. So the restaurant piece of of the the bills are pretty similar between the House and the Senate uh, on this package. It's a little more money on the House side. It's forty two billion, and on the Senate side, it's forty billion. It's a two billion dollar gap, but in the scale of things, that's not a huge a huge difference. Yeah. But the problem here is on the the for the money for the other impacted industries. So on the uh, house side, they want kind of one big pot of money that is open for for all these any industry uh, kind of affected by the pandemic, where they've lost you know they've lost income due to the pandemic, and you know they don't want to put up any any uh, you know roadblocks to prevent you know, companies that were affected from getting getting aid. But over on the Senate side, the Senate feels like there are certain industries that are, should be prioritized in this package and, you know, should, uh, you know, receive funding. So they kind of break it down into, you know, highlighting some specific industries that deserve, they think deserve uh, funding, uh, such as gyms um, and other similar businesses that did, that were hit hard by the, uh, by the pandemic. Yeah, that is a but that's a big difference, right? Because this, the house just wants to throw it open to anyone who suffered uh, major revenue losses, and the Senate the Senate seems concerned that some of these industries just shouldn't qualify. They don't deserve the aid on pandemic grounds, and they want to limit it to just a few basic industries like live theaters. You mentioned gyms, but they really do want to to restrict it. And there's another difference in these bills too, Aiden, and, and that is how to pay for it, right? It sounds to me as though it's mostly unpaid for, so it would deepen the deficit. We don't have uh, an official score yet from the Congressional Budget Office, but seems pretty clear that most of this would add to the deficit, which is another concern that Republicans are going to have. But they do try to pay for at least part of it, but they pay for it in different ways, right? Yeah, so the, the offsets question is, I think, a bigger stumbling block than the differences in who's getting the non-restaurant money here. I think the you know the House Representative uh, Phillips from Minnesota, who's kind of leading the push here, uh, the House side said yesterday basically that the, he thinks that they can bridge the gap on the you know other industry piece, but the bigger question is getting ten Republican senators to to support uh, such a high level of spending without full offsets. So, you know, Phillips and the House Democrats are saying that they're going to use money uh, from fraud cases to help pay for it. And, you know, there's been a lot of reporting that there has been billions of dollars of, of fraud, but Republicans aren't fully buying that as a as a offset, saying that the number is a lot less, you know, at least the number the government can get back is going to be a lot less than the billions in this bill. 
So there's definitely a dispute over that. And getting 10 Republican senators on board might be a challenge. But there is, you know, the Senate bill is bipartisan at this point. Senator Roger Wicker from Mississippi is kind of the leading Republican. And while the senators say they don't know if they have 10 Republican votes yet, there's definitely going to be a strong push to get there you know, when we get back from, from the recess. Yeah, I mean the, the the notion of of cracking down on fraud to help pay for this is always very appealing because who's who's in favor of fraud, right? But that is a problem I think that Republicans point out is that is that uh it's very hard to actually get at the fraud and it it often ends up not saving you that much money. There I think past history would suggest that. I think Republicans do have a valid point on that. And even in the Senate, I'm not sure they're buying it, Aiden. Seems to me as though um the Senate Democratic leader on this issue, Ben Cardin of Maryland, was equally suspicious of how the House planned to pay for it and isn't sure the money would be there. So that is a problem. I think the Senate bill, Cardin's bill, offers I think it was about five billion dollars in savings from some unspent paycheck protection program funds that are sitting there that they could tap. Those are those forgivable loans to small businesses that were created during the pandemic. So he his offset would use that program. And of course, the problem there is that's only $5 billion, right? And his his bill would cost $48 billion. So it's it's hardly much of an offset. It's one offset, but it, but it's hardly it's hardly paying for the bulk of this thing. So it it does seem as though it's going to depend on how much Republicans are going to insist that this thing be paid for or mostly paid for, because right now it's really not paid for. And on the COVID aid package, the basic health care funding, they were insisting that every dollar be paid for. And I'm not sure how you reconcile paying for every dollar of this $10 billion health care package and letting most of this restaurant money and other business money go out the door without without paying for most of it. There's a disconnect there that would also have to be kind of reconciled or at least overlooked, right? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. That's definitely a big a big difference. And yeah, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Senator Cardin is the leading Democrat on this, and, and he was saying that the fraud offset is, I think he said, squishy. Uh, so I, I, he's definitely skeptical that that would be enough to even make a dent or a major dent, you know, in this in this package. It's a tough issue now that's going to that's going to hang over them during the recess and and maybe into next month, but it's not going away because the White House, well, we should also say on this restaurant aid bill, the White House does not sound as though they're on board, right? I mean, we talked to an administration official uh yesterday who said sounded like they're not sure the, the money's really needed for that. They, they wouldn't commit to even supporting anything on restaurant aid. So that would be another hurdle is, is if the White House doesn't want the package. Yeah, that, that's definitely a, a big hurdle. You know, as you mentioned earlier, the White House has been very clear that they want the 10 billion or more than 10 billion for, for COVID on the health side. Definitely a question about if the White House thinks that this restaurant piece is needed but again, that's a different question from what they sign it. If it got to the desk, you would have to think that this would be something the administration would ultimately support uh, if it did get through Congress. But that is a big, a big if at this point. Yeah. So, so it, it's a real problem. And the, the overall COVID aid issue isn't going away because the White House says we're going to be running out of supplies and vaccines. I think in May was the, was the, was the, uh, 
earliest deadline they were facing. That's an issue. So they're going to come back at this uh, and demand more money. And we're just going to have to see how that how that plays out. They did get a lot of stuff done this week, including a Supreme Court confirmation. But when it comes to pandemic aid, mission uncompleted, and we're going we're gonna to see what happens next. And CQ Roll Call will be covering it all for you as always. But we are out of time. So that does it for us today. Thanks, Aiden, for being here. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll be uh, speaking with you and our, our listeners uh, in the future as well. Sounds good. And we will see you all. We'll be back next week. 